What's up, Georgia football fans? My name is Scott Duvall, and you are listening to episode 284 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. Now, I got to level with you. I am not in Athens. I am out of town this weekend. I don't have the intro music. I barely have my computer. But this post-game episode is one worth hearing that Will and Tony recorded earlier today. And I, I figure it's, it's kind of fun because it's right before Georgia was named the number one team in the nation by the AP. And it was also before ESPN Game Day announced that they're coming back to Athens uh, for the second time in three weeks, which is pretty special. It kind of reinforces the specialness, for lack of a better word, and the uniqueness of this season so far. So we've got Kentucky coming into town this weekend. Another, I think it's one versus 11 matchup. But anyway, we're, we're going to get to that on Monday. We're going to record our pregame episode for the Georgia-Kentucky game. But listen to this uh, postgame episode for Georgia-Auburn. And before we begin, I'd like to thank our podcast sponsor, El Barrio, The Pine, and The Root, located in Five Points in Athens, Georgia. And you know, as well as I do, that place is going to be hopping this weekend on Friday with everybody rolling up to town, needing a place to kind of pregame, go out, or before they go out, eat something. Uh, those three places are going to be packed on Friday. And also on Saturday, you know, before the game and after the game, 3.30 is quite possibly the best time to kick off a football game in Athens, Georgia. So I'm done talking. Here's Will and Tony. Hope you enjoy the episode. And yes, Go Dogs, number one in the nation. Here's Will to kick things off. Hello. This is the final, hopefully, final waiting since last Saturday of the year that in which Georgia is not the number one team in the country. <laughs> uh, we'll see. Uh, this is always up in the air. As I've been reminded, uh, we'll get into how they got there, but I feel like the fact that they are going to be number one any minute whenever the poll comes out, which I thought was Mondays and now is on Sundays, and at the very least is after we record. But assuming that happens, I was like, oh, no, they were just number one a couple of years ago. But of course, they weren't. They were uh, they were number one in the CFP rankings, but not the AP poll. But they're about to be number one in the AP poll because not only did they wipe out Auburn on Saturday, but holy cow, Alabama lost to Texas A&M clearing the way for the Georgia-Iowa national championship game. We have been waiting <laughs> years for. I'm here with Tony, as always. Tony, uh, we'll get into that, to the stuff that happened away from the Georgia game in a moment, but what were your takeaways from a, uh, I would argue, a rather convincing, uh, if this is the close game, I think we're going to be all right, uh, 34-10 win at Auburn. Yeah, actually, it was a uh, it was an interesting ball game uh, in that you know that first drive uh, when when Auburn scored and everyone's like, well, you know, Georgia no longer is the one of the few teams that's not uh, been behind, and um, it still never felt. I mean, it's like when when they kicked a field goal, it's like, okay, that's a that's certainly a choice for us. Uh, and then you kind of knew it was foregone conclusion when, when I'm not frost Harson when Harson started pulling uh, what Lane Kiffin did last week, going forward and forth down, uh, especially inside the 30 yard line, which is what you, that's what the book says to do. They, yes, Georgia gave up a, a touchdown to Auburn, a uh, tanks, Bixby home, uh, home, not home run, for a touchdown, six, what, six, seven yard rush. Uh, and one of the few times again, where they didn't tackle well, it was uh it, it's gotten to the point that every time we see a Georgia player miss a tackle, that stands out as opposed to some other things. 
Auburn did have some longer drives. I mean, they, they had a, a six-minute drive to, to start off the game. They also had a couple of drives that went over 70 yards, including the touchdown drive. But never once did it feel like this game was ever in doubt. And probably the most impressive thing is how Georgia just closed out the game with consecutive four-plus-minute drives in scoring on two of them. And again, much like the Clemson game, could have scored at the end of the game if they wanted to. Yeah, it is wild to think that this was – I would never classify this game as particularly tight. The first quarter uh, felt like the platonic ideal for Auburn to be tied uh, at that spot. But once Georgia kind of took over, there was really not a time where you thought, oh, they're in danger uh, to any stretch of the imagination. And more to the point, you know, Auburn – the crowd kind of stayed in the game. I thought the crowd seemed pretty – I was not at the game, but I was, I was watching uh, in Columbus. And uh, uh, the crowd seemed pretty solidly in the game throughout – but you're right. This felt like could have been a lot more. <laughs> like more. I think. I think that we we can talk about the defense and and so on. But I really feel like the story you have to talk about uh, is Stetson. And you know, I I joked. I texted you guys and said that I had my first Stetson Bennett bone uh, after that uh, deep pass, which was as pretty as anything that Fromm or Eason uh, ever threw. And frankly, probably as pretty as Fields really <laughs> threw. Just an absolutely gorgeous pass. He really looked. I mean, for crying out loud, man, like we can argue, uh, we can, we can wait for Daniels. I, uh, the, the, the question of whether or not this team is better with uh, Daniels or Bennett uh, is one that people are debating and they feel, feel free to debate all they'd like. Uh, one thing you cannot argue is that Stetson Bennett went in and just had a fantastic, nearly perfect game uh, on the road against the top 20 team uh, that was in his first real road game as a starter and looked terrific and made that perfect pass and made generally made the good decisions and um, just looked, frankly, looked to me like we, we can argue whether he's, whether he's better than, uh, than JT Daniels. I don't think you can argue at this point, he's not playing better than half the quarterbacks in the SEC at the very least. Uh, I thought he looked terrific. I have been obviously skeptical of Bennett uh, for a while. And I also think that the thing that I'm skeptical about, I don't know if what happened Saturday night changes this uh, is a thing that I think a lot of people have been skeptical about, which was how much he struggled against Alabama and how he couldn't throw the ball over the line. But man, you go into Auburn play like he did. Uh, I, I don't really understand the haters. Yeah. I, at this point, you're just, it feels like you're reaching for narrative because what you've seen now sets in. Uh, yeah. And look, we can, uh, maybe this is a good time to talk a little bit about what happened around the SEC um, with Georgia's offense this year and Stetson this year, even against Alabama's team last year, you feel like that game might be a little different. Um, although, you know, he's doing everything you asked him to do. He, I, I don't believe I saw him make a single bad decision throwing the football. Um, he had a 30 yard rush uh, where, you know, he, he could have gotten out of bounds after the first down, but he basically saw open field, had great vision and picked up 20 more yards on that run. Um, it feels a little narrative to me. I'm not saying that he cannot show up and have a, uh, you know, a Stetson game like last year where he's, you know, kind of getting panicked, throwing the ball over. But keep in mind, this is the first full stadium away game Stetson Bennett has played in uh, and started. And the way he kept the offense together on those first couple of drives and really just direct them down the field, had them checking into the right plays was pretty impressive. And Obviously, I'm not ready to say there's anything approaching a quarterback controversy, nor should there be. But you're right. I think he is absolutely as good as or better than more than half the quarterbacks in the conference. 
And I think you're right. We can, we can have a debate about whether or not uh, I do think he'd be in better position to beat Alabama this year than would last year. I, I kind of feel like I'm just not going to sweat that too much. Cause one thing that Bennett is doing is putting them in a position to have receivers step up. And to me, that was maybe one of the more exciting things. Maybe it was just watching Auburn's horrible receivers because <laughs> they were very bad and really were not really helping Knicks at all. My friend Tim Kelly put on Twitter that that watching Bo Nix is like just play is just so dis- he's just pure chaos in a way that's like not it's just it's just unsettling to watch even if it's exciting I can't imagine what would it be like it'd be like Marshall Henderson running your running your basketball team it's oh just, my god it's just too much uh, watching him but I felt like he made some throws maybe had a little too heat on him and but his receivers couldn't get him to me I think one of the quieter stories and maybe it's not so quiet is what George's wide receivers did in this game. Uh, the idea, I don't remember how often we said the word McConkie uh, before uh, the first game, but if we did, it was probably referring to the Denver wide receiver who is not related to George's McConkie. He looks like the number one receiver right now. And that is a remarkable place. We got, we got our massive tight end. We got our massive man uh, getting his first catch of the year, 25 yard catch. What did you think of the receivers in this game? To me, that was, that was a huge step forward and something, no matter who the quarterback is, uh, is a pretty big question starting to get answered. Yeah. And as those receivers get uh, more and more uh, healthy, the more options the quarterback in, and by virtue of that Monken's going to have, I mean, I think it was great to see Washington get in there. Uh, speaking of Monken, the dude called a masterful game on um, uh, one particular but like leading up to the McConkey 60 yard touchdown pass. Um, I, I got, I was thinking about that. I'm going to go back and look at it. And uh, so Georgia gets the ball to start the third quarter. And um, basically it's on a 10, 12 play drive for four minutes, 48 seconds with the Pelesny missed field goal. And, um, you know, Monken basically ran the ball, ran the ball, ran the ball until we passed. And that was, uh, that was the ball that, that I think it skipped off Jackson's hands um, around the, on the boundary and uh, Pelesny missed the field goal. So Auburn comes back out and they drive, you know, 30 yards and then uh, turn the ball over on downs at the 40 yard line. And it, when they started out, I, I remember telling the people who were here at the house, I was like, wow, they're stacked up. And we have, if, if we want to take a shot, now's the time uh, because McConkey and it must've had to have been um, Jackson, both had single coverage with no high safety. And, you know, the second I saw the play action, I was like, oh, my God, we're going to actually do this. And I was like, <laughs> please, Bennett, hit him. Because the first couple of long passes, uh, including earlier in the game, they had been short, right? Uh, they, they, they McConkie had to slow down and come back for the ball, and Bowers had to do also do that. And anytime you have a quarterback who is calling the offense uh, on the field uh, and a, a, a play caller up in the booth who has basically schemed as one step ahead of a very good defensive coordinator and Derek Mason, things are just going to happen well for you. And uh, you know, we can, a lot of people are like, well, it's only 34-10 or whatever. And it's like, ah, the game was never in doubt. Georgia like pulled a super cover here and frankly sat on them uh, in a way in the second half that uh, is very reminiscent of those Alabama teams and earlier in the, the decade. And I, I think it's interesting that, maybe first and second place in the nation or the top two defenses in Iowa and Georgia. So it's uh, it, it, maybe the whole narrative of it's got to have offense. Well, Georgia has offense too. Yeah, uh, it is. 
I mean, you look at where we are now. I mean, we talked about the three games heading in. Uh, if you win these three games, you're in the playoff. And I think that's still true. But the, to be in the position of strength, you know, Bill Connolly was noting last night, you know, that he, there's this uh, wonderful hypothetical uh, world of 2007, right? That everybody is always looking for the madness and the chaos of 2007. It sure looks like that's happening this year. Yeah, it's feeling except, close. It's feeling real close. Except for Georgia. <laughs> and to me, that that is the thing that's really kind of remarkable about this. It would be one thing if Georgia was looking like this and Alabama was also dominant and Oklahoma was also dominant and Clemson was also dominant, you know, and, and that and it turned out that Clemson looked amazing in every game. Like, imagine how differently we're talking about this if Clemson wipes out, has wiped out every opponent since they played Georgia, right? Like, we'd really be talking more about like, wow, the Georgia Auburn, uh, the Georgia Clemson rematch we're going to see in the playoff. Georgia. I really feel like these things are going on fascinatingly parallel tracks. Georgia is, has, we have, you've talked about the best team of your lifetime and certainly one of the best teams anyone's uh, seen Georgia have is they've just, they're just mowing down people like it's nothing. And then you have the rest of college football in absolute chaos. And uh, I'm here for as long as Georgia's (laughs) number one and stays out of the fray. It's the platonic ideal, right? It's like, like Georgia is having its season and everything else is just super fun. I will go, I have this thing that I do when I, we were, we, we had, we had a long weekend, so we traveled. And so uh, I, I, I often want, if there's a game I really care about, but I'm really tired, I will fall asleep listening to the game. And my brain has a way of waking me up <laughs> when it's time to wake up for a game. So I fell asleep listening to the Alabama, uh, Texas A&M game and woke up, uh, I would say right after Alabama took the lead. Uh, back and it looked like they were about to take over and then all the fun stuff happened uh to see texas a&m this do you think this says something about texas a&m does it say something about alabama and what's it say about things in general that uh uh, uh we we might talk about the path more for georgia now when we do our show with scott but i think uh what was your reaction to that game well i mean having having watched most of it um my reaction to that game is um well there's there's two takeaways first off um, I'm not sure I have to assume this coaching, but I'm not sure what happened to Texas A&M the past two weeks where they got housed by Arkansas and lost a close game to Mississippi state and then turn around and played with such tenacity and verb and physicality against a, a good Alabama team. That's my, that's my one takeaway. My second takeaway is whew, Alabama looks really, really soft in the front. Now, soft is not the right word, but they're just not as right. physical on the offensive and defensive lines as what we're used to seeing. Um, and it's safe to say that the Florida game for them was not an aberration at this point. I can see now why Florida was able to stay really close by running the same play over and over right at them. Uh, because just, you know, Calzada had a great game, but that game was won and lost. Uh, a Nick Saban team. And maybe we can talk about this a little bit with Bill O'Brien being the offensive coordinator. They threw the ball three times inside the six yard line with the game on the line. Like they could have iced the game with a touchdown there. And that that last that last drive where they ended up kicking a field goal uh, to go up uh, three instead of of what would have been uh, seven or, or eight or whatever. I don't. I, I can't even do the math in my head. But that, it's just the lack of physicality. And so that's, that's not to say that. Alabama can't turn around and actually go and win the entire national championship. They absolutely have the talent to do that. Frankly, they have the coaching to do that. Um, but they uh, they have looked less Alabama-ish, especially, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball, than they have in years past. And um, 
I think it's interesting, again, that when the polls come out today, number one and number two are likely to be the top two defenses in the nation. It is two o'clock is when the poll comes out, by the yeah. way. So yeah. we've got uh, we've got some time before it goes in. But obviously, we'll have plenty to discuss on Monday. But yeah, I mean, what a place to be in, man, where, you know, it's starting to feel... I, 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 I'm going to workshop this a little bit because one of my... Uh, one of my thoughts I want to discuss on Monday is because we're taping earlier this week uh, is the way it's set up now. Remember the beginning of the year when you saw some pundits being like, well, if Georgia can't do it this year when they've got the quarterback and they were blah, 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 when are they going to do it? Uh, and I thought it was a little silly because I don't know. It certainly assumed that some of these quarterbacks were not going to pay off. And when Bryce Young, even still probably the Heisman, uh, candidate and Daniels barely played. So I think that these, I think that the, the quarterback narrative they've always had about Georgia coming into the season has switched a little bit, but more to the point, I don't know how it could set up any better for Georgia right now. <laughs> like oh, I don't, yeah. I just, well, dude, I, I mean, yeah. look you, right now you have, yeah. I mean, this past week we ranked the remaining three games in order of our particular worry about them is because we think this is the, you know, the toughest it's, on paper, at least, it's the toughest three-game uh, stretch with having to go on the road and play Auburn and having Kentucky at home uh, and then Florida in Jacksonville. Um, you know, Kentucky looks really physical and might be the most physical football team we play in the regular season. And, um, you know, I, and I, I say that in entire with all the honor and respect you give to Arkansas, they are basically Arkansas, but with, uh, you know, better <laughs> – better long-term prospects just because, yeah. you know, Stoops has been there for seven yeah, years. Yeah. More years under the belt. Right. Like yeah. more years under the belt. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I, but I think you're right. If you, 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 Georgia is probably going to play another, if not top 10, real close to top 10 matchup at home, which is stunning considering where we were in, in, in August. And, you know, you make it through these, I mean, I, I don't want to be hyperbolic, but you, you beat Kentucky next week. You essentially have, more than likely cashed your ticket to the SEC championship game because, you know, Florida, that would mean Georgia would have to lose to some combination of um, Tennessee or Missouri on um, the last, you know, last month of the season. Uh, and then, you know, Florida has to win out um, that it's stunning to me that, that, that as everyone predicted uh, is Georgia and uh, Kentucky in Athens <laughs> in a top and a CBS game, in a likely top 10 or real close to top 10 matchup for the SEC East on October the 16th. And a, they haven't announced yet, but like a very real possibility game is going to be here again. Oh, like, I haven't even thought about that. Holy cow. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, like I, there's yeah. other great games next weekend. <laughs> like, like I understand they were just here. I get it. I get it. But like, if you look at the schedule, if the only reason it's not here is if they decide they don't want to be here two or three weeks, but they've done that before. They've done that before. I will say you, everyone listening to this will know before we do, because we don't know yet, but game day could very well be here at a three thirty game against Kentucky, a game that like, if you win, uh, it just, everything's setting up perfect. <laughs> everything yeah. is setting up perfect. It's really uh, kind of a wild thing to see. So yeah, I'm sitting so here. I'm just take a quick look through the games that are on. Um, yeah. Florida LSU. I don't see how you do that when um if you're going to do the CBS game, you need to do the the three thirty game. I, I guess, I, yeah, I guess, I guess you could go to BYU Baylor. If BYU had beaten, uh, yeah, BYU, BYU had beaten, beaten, but they didn't. Beaten, right, yeah, but they, they lost. I don't right. know, man. Yeah, you, you 
you could be right. I wow, think I hadn't I, thought I, about that. Yeah, I think they may have to because I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm sure they do not want to come here two out of three weeks, but I don't. I don't. I don't know what. It, I don't know what else I, it would be. There's also. I would also throw the possibility of going to Cincinnati. So uh, UCF is playing at Cincinnati on ABC. So yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe. maybe. But uh, uh, no, I, and, and for the record, I would not begrudge that because I feel like, like uh, if they, I'll put it this way: if there's this much chaos this year, and Cincinnati goes undefeated and still doesn't make the playoff, woof, yeah. woof, woof. Well, um, I mean, this season also is, is showing. <laughs> I have a feeling that some of those alliance members going to crack. Yeah, uh, but you know what's going to be funny, and this is a possibility now that the SEC does not get two teams in, but the Big Ten does. And uh, dude, if it's two Big Ten teams, Cincinnati and Georgia, Georgia. or Alabama, <laughs> um, <laughs> how upset the ACC and Big Twelve, Pac twelve, going to be, be Kevin Warren? <laughs> Oklahoma is still undefeated. I feel Oklahoma is still undefeated. Mind, as is Oklahoma State, and as yeah. we predicted, it could come down to Bedlam. They yeah. could play back to back games, which would be stunning. But you know. I'll, worry, I'll let the Big 12 worry about their own house. Also worth knowing that Oklahoma looked like Oklahoma again once they switched quarterbacks. Also yeah, isn't that crazy? keeping in mind. Also that is crazy. So, uh, okay, we don't have to do a prediction for a time because we already know next week is three, three, and week, a week after that is a week off. We actually don't get to do it for a while because we already, of course, know that Georgia and Florida are playing at 3.30. So we'll wait a couple of weeks, and then we'll get back in that uh, fun parlay game. But right now, again, the last time I will say this on a recorded uh, broadcast, if that's what we're calling this, uh, which is Georgia is not yet the number one team in the country, but uh, they're going to be very soon. Any, any final closing thoughts leading us in? No, I think, I think it's interesting. Just as Georgia fans, I want us to all keep in mind that um, this, the rankings are no longer your parents' rankings. Like they, <laughs> they're interesting talking points. Um, you mentioned Georgia was ranked first in the college football playoff rankings in 17 for a couple of times uh, before they lost to the, uh, to Auburn in that game. Um that's the ones I'm worried about. And as I told someone at church this morning, uh, being first is great and all. And it's fun to say that. But unless it's still the case on January the 10th, it's yeah. just noise. What and, time. And, what a time. And, I, and I, hate to be, I hate to be the poo-poo guy because I'm oh, I get tired. It. Oh, I get it. I'm just saying I let's – I, I, I'm, 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 trying, I'm trying to walk a fine line between um, – <laughs> rat poison and uh, being <laughs> overly excited about something that is just a talking point. Uh, and I don't know if you've heard also that, uh, you know, uh, Kentucky is probably overrated. Have plenty of money. Yeah, just, uh, I'm putting that uh, out there in the world. Yeah, I understand. I got it. Got it. Got it. Um, all right. Well, I will, I will not make you, I will make certain to the rest of this podcast, perhaps the rest of our podcast that you do not have to be the poo poo guy. I will do it. I, I, yeah, well, I am the poo-poo guy, but yeah. I know. That. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, well, Tony, we'll, we're recording Monday night because uh, scheduling stuff will be a little early this week. But uh, then then George will be number one in the country, and then we will know whether the game days are there or not. So, uh, all right, Tony, have a great week, and we will talk. Well, I'll talk to you in about uh, uh, 30 hours. All right. Sounds good. Go dogs. Go dogs. And thanks so much for listening. And we'll be back, like Tony and Will said, recording on Monday evening. So expect the next episode, episode 285, I think, uh, the Georgia-Kentucky preview show in your podcast player sometime on Tuesday. And until then, we'll see you on campus this Saturday. It's going to be a fun one. And as always, go dogs.